becomes like a fleeting memory. Whatever you grab just turns to dust. Like eye contact with a stranger, stranger out of the It's a dream that you to make real. Passing over the songs. Glimmer, glimmer, shift the ship in the sea. Okay, welcome back. Welcome to the shores of ignorance. We're here. Social distancing. Quarantine style. (laughs) I love the abbreviation QAR. QAR? QAR style. Well, I think I'm kind of violating it right now. I'm I'm two feet from the screen, so I don't know if that's good or bad. (laughs) Violated the QAR? (laughs) Violated the QAR, yeah. By being two feet from the screen, I don't understand. I don't know. We're not six feet apart. Oh, we're more more like... uh, three miles apart three miles apart that's true <laughs> very true which also sounds like a emo indie band from the early Ooh. 2000s three miles Damn. apart <laughs> maybe we should quit this uh shores of ignorance thing and start, start that band, band. Yeah. What, are you, what are you gonna play i don't know that's what i was, I was i'll figure something out okay <laughs> I'll, I'll bring the coffee or something <laughs> uh, <that's, laughs> bring the coffee i love that yeah every band every band needs a, a coffee guy yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> Who's that guy in the corner? <laughs> oh, He's our coffee, coffee guy. guy. <laughs> so, excuse me, you want a drip or a pour over? <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> I don't even know if I can make coffee anymore. I'm, I'm more spreadsheet coffee guy. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Spreadsheet. So, we ended yeah. our last episode aspirationally wanting to talk about, well, this is maybe more from me, I don't know, but wanting to talk mm-hmm. about some of the positive things and some of the beautiful things that are being uncovered because of the massive social changes that have taken place over the last month or so. Yeah. I think it was partly in out of a desire to for reprieve from the constant onslaught of data and speculation and fear and unknown and uncertainty. I mean, that was one of the themes of our last episode was uncertainty. Yeah. Um, and to take some time to talk about those things. I also get the, the sense that we're, we're like maybe not there yet. Yeah. I, and we were talking just before this, uh, uh, before we hit record about like, I just feel out of it. Mm hmm. Um, my mind doesn't feel sharp. Yeah. No, I think that's, that's very true for me too. What is that? What, what, what's doing that to us? Um, uh, I know there's, there's this one thing, uh, Allison always calls it decision fatigue. Hmm. And, uh, so I know whenever I, sometimes when I'm making a lot of decisions throughout the day, I get home and I might just go numb because <laughs> I don't know. I can't really make another decision. You know? That's super real. Mm-hmm. And making, so, and that, oh, yeah. making decisions has such a huge cognitive load. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's something that, yeah, I would love to hear some, uh, hear some stuff on that as far as like what that, why is that? So, Oh, I guess it makes sense that, well, shoot. Well, I, can, I think I can unpack that for a second at least. Okay. Uh, so we, I, I don't know that we've said this on the podcast before. But surely we have because it's a huge theme in my life. But um, my dad has always said that the root 
definition of the word decide is to slay, hmm. which is to reduce two options to one by killing one of them. Wow. So there's no, op- there's no choice left. You have decided you have slain one and mm-hmm. that process of killing something off also involves some amount of grief of loss. Mm-hmm. Like there is loss in a decision. There's yeah. also, uh, you know, you also gain the ability to move forward into the future, which you can't if you don't decide. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of uh, emotional things going on in a simple decision. Yeah. So the load of that, it's it's not obvious that there's a huge cognitive load to that and even a, an emotional load to that. But I, I think it seems clear to me that there is. I love the language, like how much mythology and stuff even, even is uh, uh, present in our language to slay the dragon, you know, mm-hmm. or to slay, uh, to decide, to Yeah, it invokes the idea of an, of an epic, of a, mm-hmm. a journey. Yeah. Because the hero always has to decide, do I turn back? Do mm-hmm. I go forward? Uh, do I take the left road or the right road? Um, I don't know. And or what comes to mind too is whenever uh, Frodo decides to go on his own and he's decided and it's like this heavy, mm-hmm. but then also this sort of refreeing too. He's like, I've decided. So now he's moving true in a direction. Yeah. There's a lot of freedom that is gained in a decision. Mm-hmm. And then also that decision freed up the rest to pursue other quests too. Mm-hmm. Cause they were beholden to him. So it's it's interesting. Just in one decision that Frodo made, it freed up others to make others other decisions too. It's a and lot if, of weight. It is, yeah. And if that's the power of a decision, then it makes sense that it would exhaust you. And if you're making lots of those throughout the course of a day, you're going to come yeah. home fatigued for sure. Mm-hmm. I think in our current situation it almost feels like there's a lack of decisions to be made, yeah. mm-hmm. but, but I think that's a false, I don't think that's true. I think there's actually a great many decisions to be made more than normal because we've lost our structure and our mm-hmm. structure is usually what protects us from having to make too many decisions. True. Like what time do we get up? I don't have to decide that. I know because the kids have to get to school and this is what mm-hmm. has to be done. And there's no cognitive effort thinking about that. Now I think about what time to get up. I've got to arbitrarily set a time for myself because, you know, we don't have the structure demanding something from us anymore. True. Yeah, I think. The, I mean, I'm really like I, I I I really value structure for for the for the idea that it frees me to do other things. Yeah. And, um, I feel like mostly like. For especially the last three weeks, everything's been so immediate in decision making. Hmm. So, like this week, I've kind of felt right. the pressure of expanding my decision making to beyond today or this hour or this one thing right now. And it's like coming out of being hyper focused to then trying to broaden that. It, that's been really hard to make that transition. And I feel a little, 
out of sorts with that. When you say decision-making has been immediate, is that out of necessity? Like Mm -hmm. things started shifting so rapidly and you had to decide how to deal with that and you didn't have the luxury to say, let's sleep on it or or let's see what happens next week. Things had to be Mm -hmm. done immediately. Yeah. Yeah. And structures put in place, like we started uh, roasting for another company, helping them. And so we had to put all these structures in place in order to, you know, that we could be efficient and effective and, you know, that we're fulfilling our obligations. So there's all these new systems that we're putting in. We're requiring everybody to change, (laughs) you know, and it's, you can see the strain, but there's also an excitement to in it. And so it's hard, you know, but at the same time you can, you know, after day two or day three of that sort of level of, uh, shifting and changing it's like the uh, it's like when you when you set out, out on the quest at first it's like all right we're going on a quest <laughs> and then the, <laughs> then the reality comes in of like i'm cold mm-hmm. i don't have enough spices for my food <laughs> oh i can't have three meals today i can only have two you know down to one meal <laughs> well <laughs> it's like when that excitement sets in that's i think kind of what i wanted to talk about like what, like, what is that? Because I had a conversation, both of my parents are therapists, and so they've moved exclusively to teletherapy, which sounds like a really awful thing. But yeah. my dad was telling me that he has felt more engaged in his sessions than he has in a long time. That's interesting. Via teletherapy, yeah. And I thought, why, why would that be? Mm-hmm. And at least, and I don't think it's because of the medium. I don't yeah. think that it's that teletherapy is more engaging than in-person therapy. Mm-hmm. I think it must have something to do with the energy that comes to you from having to having to do something. It's it's like it wakes you up. Mm-hmm. So I imagine calling into teletherapy and it's like, I want, I don't want to quit therapy. We have to do it this way. What's this going to be like? You're very aware. You're aware of what that's like. Um, because you're paying attention because you're curious. You don't know, is it going to be good? Is it going to be bad? Mm-hmm. There is an energy that you're injecting into that that is new because things are un- uncertain and times are changing. Mm-hmm. And that energy, that injection of energy brings about an, a, a certain level of excitement. Yeah, it seems like cause they're also wanting to be there too, and like trying to make that thing work. Mm-hmm. And so you might actually even step out of your comfort zone a little more, just just with a desire to make it work. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, even with us right now doing this podcast over uh, this new <laughs> this new way that we're doing, it's like it's like part of me feels like I'm straining to have that same contact we have one-on-one. Well, we had gotten really comfortable and it was easy to, you know, show up, sit down, set up our gear and and do our podcast. And now I feel at the beginning of these conversations, like what I'm feeling pressure. Like, what are we going to talk about? Is this going to work out? Is this going to be worth (laughs) doing? Uh Because everything's new and the result is you're hyper aware and being hyper aware and hyper vigilant is an exhausting place to be, mm-hmm. which I think is maybe why maybe accounts for some of the lack of sharpness that we're feeling in in the in the head. Mm-hmm. Um, 
because everything around us is that way right now. Yeah. I mean, even, even with what we did today or have done every single time we've done this over the, uh, internet is we try to get the video to work. And at some point we're like, okay, no, just, right. just voice. Right. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, okay, cool. Now we can focus on this one thing. It seems like that's happened in a lot of areas where you're starting to peel away maybe some of the things that actually get away, get in the way of the end goal, which mm-hmm. is you and I want to do this podcast right. and videos of secondary or tertiary. I always love that word. <laughs> you just wanted to use it. <laughs> I, I did. I was like, Ooh, this is a good spot. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> I've already said secondary. Might as well keep going. Yeah. Tertiary. <laughs> tertiary. <laughs> yeah. So, so I mean, even in that there's like a, a, a freedom to like, okay, no, no video. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, the exhaustion is real. The anxiety is real, but there's also an energy that's injected into situations because of that. You were telling me that, um, earlier we were talking about your shop and you were saying that the people working there had started to become really excited to come to work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's a manifestation of sort of that energy and excitement that comes from uncertain situations. Mm -hmm. Which almost makes this, this period right now even harder is because, I mean, we're learning to do this over like FaceTime and zoom and all these other ways, but you know, and I mean, throughout history, it's like when there was hard things, you, you come together as a community to share in that together mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then there's a sort of a, a shared and also maybe a, I don't know the right words dissipation of the fear because everybody everybody's carrying it not just one person yeah and in isolation you feel like you're the only one that's carrying that which is I think that's why it's so good that we do have these mediums right now as far as zoom and FaceTime and all that jazz you know it does really feel like the whole globe is carrying this together. Mm -hmm. Whatever fear and anxiety we're feeling, you can be sure that anyone you see is feeling and carrying that same thing. Yeah. And there's actually a earlier I said, uh, I don't know if we're ready to talk about the positives because there's a risk. And we see this in, in, in the conversations around politics. I mean, to talk about the positives, it, risks being insensitive to the negatives. True. So I'll just say that in the outset, but the sense of community that is, that has arisen already. And I'm not sure that I can describe it fully or that it's even fully, um, manifested yet. I I think it definitely isn't, Mm -hmm. but the sense of community that we might come away with out of this There hasn't been a unifying event in like this in any of our lifetimes. Yeah, nine eleven is probably the <clears throat> probably the closest. But even it, that but it was, wasn't global. It wasn't global. Yeah, it kind of dissipated as it went out from New York. Mm-hmm. Right. Where this is like, yeah, we were very disconnected in other mm-hmm. states. Yeah. No, this is this is truly unifying. Yeah, it's something that we'll be able to meet somebody from Zimbabwe, you know, and just be like, How'd hey, you how it? was that? 
yeah, how is that for you guys? Right, yeah. right. Oh, dude, that's I, 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 just saying it that way just sounds really, it's kind of fascinating. Yeah. Well, I remember we were talking a lot about, not even you or I, but just sort of there was a lot of talk about these sort of echo chambers that that go on within social media where you mm-hmm. can find someone with about just about any point of view and that can that can strengthen your agreement with that point of view. And you can sort of spend all your time looking at that. And on top of that, you've got the algorithms that are surfacing content based upon what they think you want to see. And so it just strengthens that. Mm -hmm. But now we're all talking about the same thing for the first time. That's really interesting. And I think there could be some amazing things that come out of that. We talked on the podcast last week about, you know, how I've just met all of my neighbors and that's been a really a really amazing thing, and I think that that will continue to extend out into the broader community um, as we start to move out of this, especially as we start to move out of this. Because as we move out of our homes, back out of our homes, back into the community, we're going to do that under a much different social contract, and we're going to do it um, with a much with a much different awareness mm-hmm. of our community. Yeah, I think there's just there's things in this that I I really hope for, and and I see the potential and what we're going through right now to maybe even kind of heal some of these divides, you know, and and uh, it might be most effective at the community level, but it's it's it just the there's a lot of tension <clears throat> everywhere with, you know, you know, politically or, or whatever each person's groups are and stuff. And it's like, I really would like to see this be a unifying thing for all of us and, mm-hmm. and, and to maybe kind of get beyond our personal groups and just see each other <laughs> as like, <laughs> Hey, yeah. It doesn't matter what your group is, what your political association is. Is like this affects you. It doesn't like not affect Democrats or Republicans. It's right. like, it affects everybody. Yeah. yeah, regardless of political or religious bent. Yeah, everyone can get Corona. <laughs> yeah, totally. It's the it's the DMV. No, it's it's the DMV. <laughs> the Great Equalizer. Everybody's got to go. Everybody's got to go. <laughs> yeah. So. Tell me about your hope. My hope. Um, yeah, I think I just, I, that's kind of it is I, I really do hope that we can kind of get beyond some of the just politicalization and, and uh, name calling and, and I'd really like just to, to see it in our, in our leaders too. Hmm. And, but I don't know. I hope to see that too. I, I'm glad that you have that hope. I don't think I see. I don't think I see quite as much hope there. Yeah. But I'm. Well, I, I'm thankful for you to carry it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's the thing. Is is it might be something where we need to stop expecting so much from our movie stars, our mm-hmm. our 
you know, movie star politicians are, you know, these people who represent us in, in some form or fashion, but you know, it's like really, it's how we conduct ourselves in day-to-day life. Um, how we interact with people that we disagree with, you know, uh, uh, how we see people that are different from us. Uh, you know, if we can be more accepting and so it's, so, so I think sometimes it's, it's easier to just take pop shots at, you know, all the, you know, or look to them as if they're supposed to lead, but it's really, it's like you and me, you know, (laughs) it's like in our businesses, you know, uh, in our communities with our family and, and that has an impact, but I'm kind of idealistic in, in a sense in some of those areas. I mean, is it an, it is an interesting way to look at it to, to shift Are you saying to shift leads? Um, leadership doesn't seem like the right word, but I'll use it. Shift leadership away from the celebrity class into back into the household. Yeah, yeah, back into the household, back into the community. Yeah, you know, there's, there's. It kind of makes me think of. Uh, I mean, Peterson gets into this, but then there's also a very Jungian idea of individuation. You know, it's like where, you know, when you're young up to puberty, you know, it's like you're really a part of the whole. There's not mm-hmm. a lot of distinction as a child in your community, and then into puberty, you start to make distinctions about what I am and what I am not, and kind of dividing into opposites. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then they're like into maturity. It's like older age and stuff. You start to have to bring those things back together into a whole. And like that thing you, you sent me that uh, I forgot who it was that you, the, the artist, the, was he a blues artist? Oh, let me pull that up. Yeah. That was like, there was something I really loved about that. And then something I was like, yeah, but that's not true. Like, that's impossible. It's impossible. Yeah. It's about a return to childhood. Um, I'm blanking on his name right now. He just passed away. Um, awkward pause. <laughs> we don't have a... Uh, we don't have Joe Rogan's Jamie to pull up <laughs> what are these days? links for us. <laughs> oh, we talked a lot since then. Um, yeah, but the idea, let me, let me just see before I even get there. If I can on bring that together. Oh, it was on Instagram. Okay. Bill Withers. Bill Withers. Um, you want to read the quote? Yeah, totally. So, uh, Bill Withers said, um, uh, he sings, uh, that song right there mm-hmm. so just for reference and man he sings in such a soulful way you're yeah, just it's amazing it's almost like he can't sing it slow enough <laughs> like i just almost want to just drag it's, everything out it's molasses he goes away you're just like just drag it out <laughs> anyways uh he says i've always been serious that way trying to evolve to a more conscious state funny thing about that though you tweak yourself looking for more love, less lust, more compassion, less jealousy. Keep, 
You keep tweaking, keep adjusting those knobs until you no longer find the original settings. In some sense, the original settings are exactly what I'm looking for. A return to the easygoing guy I was before my world got complicated. The nice guy who took things as they came and laughed so hard the blues would blow away in the summer wind. Yeah. It's a desire for a return to childhood. And just like you you were saying, as you enter puberty, your consciousness evolves into your ego and out of the original settings. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and actually, this is this is a great... I like where we're going with this, because one of the things that I was thinking about when I was trying to think about positives is this word reset has been on my mind, which... Mm-hmm is exactly what Bill Withers was talking about. He's looking, yeah. he's looking for that reset. But we've, we've talked before about the idea that the evolution of consciousness is a realization of our vulnerability over time into the future. Mm-hmm. And not only our vulnerability other people's vulnerability. Yeah. So if I'm vulnerable and I understand that over time into the future, then I'm going to try to protect myself. Mm-hmm. If I understand that you're also vulnerable into the future, then I can um, take advantage of that. Mm-hmm. And this is, this is the, I think really that is the story of the tree of knowledge. This is the awareness of, good and evil. Yeah. Or even Cain and Abel too. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the interesting things about this pandemic is it has completely stolen from us our preconceived idea, not preconceived, but understood, taken for granted idea of what the future was. Hmm. We had structure. We saw that structure extend into the future as far as we wanted it to. And this has changed everything. This has taken our jobs. This has taken our routines. This has taken, in many people's cases, lives. Mm -hmm. Our idea of the future has somehow been erased. And our understanding of our own vulnerability has been increased. Mm -hmm. And I think we are more conscious because of it. And maybe this is partly why we're more tired because we're hypervigilant and aware. But I think in that increased state of consciousness, of awareness, we actually have the ability for a reset because we're, we're thinking about what those knobs are that we tweak all the time. I was remembering something I had said, I think it was in the politics episode that you have to be honest about the things that can bring the ship down. And what I meant by that was that there, there are so many things that are just easy to ignore and easy to let lay in waste. Yeah. And often those build up and eventually they take the ship down right now. We have the time and the attention to look at those things. Mm-hmm. And to the extent that we do, with the extra energy that we have right now, I think we really can reset 
ourselves and our culture mm. from the from the ego that extracts itself from the traditional I'll use the word traditional I guess and regain a sense of tradition and regain a sense of the transpersonal the communal the community mm. yeah I mean, it's a reintegration as uh, depth psychology, I think, would call it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as you're as you're saying that, I kind of I saw that you know there the opportunity and also the the desire to hide until this is over and we get back to normal. But yeah, there's no such thing as that, you know? I don't think that you can hide. I mean, I think actually yeah. what I'm trying to talk about is even in that hiding, like in this stay at home, which I'm experiencing a lot more, a lot differently than you are, but mm-hmm. even in the stay at home, you're confronted with the things that you're not normally confronted with. Yeah. Um, you're confronted with that thing that you did, you know, it's like, this is not a real analogy, but it's like that leaky faucet that was easy to ignore because you were only home half the time. Shut up. I've got a leaky faucet. <laughs> do you really? <laughs> I do. <laughs> do you remember, do you remember what, um, uh, he, he talked about the leaky faucet in Zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance. Oh, uh, no, I don't. And he had a whole philosophical rant about what a leaky faucet represents, which is why I picked it. I think, <laughs> um, but it was easy to ignore, when you weren't home all that often, but now that you're home, you can't, you can no longer ignore it. Yeah. Um, and I think that staying home is forcing people to confront a lot of the skeletons in their closet mentally and emotionally. Yeah. I mean, that's a really positive thing. It's also a very painful thing. It also generates a lot of anxiety. Yeah. But it, I think it, can bend towards something good. Yeah, I think it's, and that might be I, kind of like when we first started, we were going to talk about the beautiful. And I, I don't, I, for some reason, I kind of feel maybe as a, as a collective uh, group, you know, globally or even locally or whatever, it's like, it's like, I think there's, it just feels like we're still in that discovery part Mm-hmm. in that process and there, the opportunity right now is more is leaning into those things that present that are presented to us you know and i think it's different for each person like i see allison you know a lot of the things that she had been really uh working through have kind of uh, over the last five years like have kind of come back up again in a new form mm-hmm. But I mean, that just means like it's readdressing and she doesn't mind me talking about this. So it's not like a, so it's just been interesting, like, you know, talking with her about that and, and I have a tendency to, to like, well, look how much you've grown, look how all the things that you've gained, but that's not really helpful because right now she's, she's needing to, she's, you know, and she's kind of said this to me is just like, kind of she needs to encounter it in its new form now, even though there has been so much growth and so much, you know, healing that's come. And so I think there is that part too is, is leaning into that, whatever that is, that's kind of coming up that we kind of need to lean, lean into that and allow, 
I think that'll bring us into some really beautiful things if we can do that. Yeah, absolutely. I think we're talking about the exact same thing. <clears throat> that there are things that are resurfacing, things that we are now having to re-encounter yeah. because of all of this. And if we can lean into it and engage it, the outcome could be really beautiful. Yeah. I think that's probably maybe too, like whenever you and I started this podcast, we were talking about not being sharp right now. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, and I'm interested what you, what you think on this too, is, uh, is I have a lot of unformed ideas and emotions that are all coming to the surface that I can't really parse it out to, to work with. I just kind of have to sit with these different emotions and different thoughts yeah, and allow them to kind of stew a little bit, you know? And, um, so I think that's that part. And, and, that, and it's, it's, it's almost like the shores of ignorance, you know, it's like, we kind of just have to sit and just stare off into the, into the mm. sunset or into the rising sun or how, wherever it is that you're at in that space and just sit with it, you know, until you discover something you can make use of and then mm-hmm. follow that for as long as you can. I mean, it does seem like a stewing phase. I mean, even our understanding collectively of what this virus is, is shaky at best. Mm -hmm. And we're, it's easy to spend a lot of energy trying to figure out how scared should we be? How draconian should the lockdown measures be? Mm -hmm. How serious should we be about masks? How serious should we be about shelter in place? How serious should we be uh, about the economy crashing? Mm -hmm. We just don't have answers for these. Yeah. And so we need to just sit with it. Mm -hmm. Like we just need to be in this place and let these questions stew. Yeah. Until we have good answers. Uh, one of our friends, uh, she, uh, uh, she went through cancer and she was talking to her therapist and she was just saying that she was like, one day I just sat down and I was like, I'm going to cry until I can't cry anymore. Hmm. And she just did that. And then at the end of some period of time, she's like, okay, I'm gonna go on a hike. (laughs) You know, it was like, it was just, it was just beautiful sort of like, and it, her therapist was like, wow, that's actually so amazing. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like, I'm just going to let myself feel all the feelings and just until there's nothing left in that. Yeah. And I thought that was just, when she was telling me, telling us that, I was just like, man, that is just. It's beautiful. It's so beautiful. Yeah. I I started to write a song once and I don't remember it, it occurred to me recently, it, it sort of re came into my brain. This was a while back. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I never made a recording of it or wrote it down. So I don't know how it went, but this idea, I had this idea that when you cry, you shouldn't wipe away your tears. Mm. You should let them run down your cheeks and let them dry. And the 
salt remain oh yeah to remind you of what it was that you were feeling rather than trying to escape it and wipe the tears away <laughs> never wrote that song but i like that idea that is really cool it's really funny because Allison did some artwork around that same idea this last week. Like she sat and just kind of cried over a piece of paper <laughs> and her tears were on the piece of paper. And oh, wow. I don't know if she wanted me to tell you all this, but, but anyways, don't tell her. Crying art? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it wasn't like on purpose. It was just sort of like she was crying it it was over her sketch pad. And then just so she drew these things and she made each tear a color of the rainbow. That's on, amazing. On this, on this hand. And oh, it was just like, we got to post that. That's going on the Instagram. Yeah. Hopefully. We'll, see. we'll ask we'll see permission. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds incredible. I want to see it. Yeah. No, it was really beautiful, but it kind of has that same idea of what you're talking about is it's, it kind of marks and mm -hmm. symbolizes that, that moment and that time. Yeah. Well, and we keep flirting with this idea in this conversation of that there is always this beauty. Like she was crying. Yeah. That because something was painful, something mm -hmm. was hurt and yet beauty. Yeah. And I feel and sense the same thing. I think we both do in what's going on with us collectively right now. There's a lot of yeah. pain, mm -hmm. but somehow it's, there's like a, there's an indication to me that there is great beauty to be had as well mm -hmm. out of it. I don't know what that's going to be. That's my hope. Yeah. That's my hope too. Because I think, you know, again, we, but we have to, we have to go through, we have to go through it, you know? Right. And, but you have to go through it. Mm -hmm. I think the more that, again, I don't, it, it's hard to say because I'd love to be able to like, oh, this is how you do it. Or this is the steps, you know? Mm -hmm. But it's really such a personal journey as well as a collective journey. It, it's not really... You can't parse the two, although you know you will. You will have. I, I believe that there is a personal and a collective journey through this, and you know I see that too as my staff comes to work. You know, with the uncertainty, with the fear, but then also this sort of like, oh, but I do get to be around people. You yeah, know, yeah, and we're I, we have this feeling that we're in this together. You know, which like that's a privilege right now. Yeah, the people totally. who are still working. Mm -hmm. are getting something we're not. Yeah. On the one hand, maybe a great deal more fear, potentially a great deal more risk, depending on what kind mm -hmm. of job you're working, but also yeah. you're getting time with other people. Yeah. Which I mean, you think about the, not to yeah. put a value on that. Well, the relationships too, like in the, in the, uh, the ERs or the, you know, the, the doctors, the nurses, the, all the different, people that go into um, keeping us uh, safe and healthy, you know, they're, they're kind of, there will be that sort of camaraderie that they yeah, experience through right. this that will build relationships mm -hmm. and um, a community that's so much more than what they probably ever had. You know, right. it doesn't, it doesn't like uh, mitigate the, uh, 
you know, this, 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 how scary it is and right. sickness and death too, you know? So, um, I mean, there's a, there's a definite wartime analogy there mm-hmm, with mm-hmm. being on the front lines. I, I, I suspect that the same will happen with our, our, our more geographically adjacent relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for instance, I had a long conversation with my neighbor the other day because I hadn't seen her in a while and she's, um, older. And I, I just assumed that she was not going anywhere, just playing it safe, staying at home. And so I sent her a text and said, Hey, I assume this is what you're doing, but if you need anything, let me know. I'm here. And, uh, saw her, she texted back and then we, we ended up chatting in the driveway six feet apart, um, (laughs) the next day. But, I got the sense, like it felt like our conversation was different Mm. because it felt like we're in something together. Yeah. And I would never text her and say, if you need something, if you need an errand ran Mm -hmm. for you, let me know. I would, I mean, there would be no reason for me to do that normally, but now I've done that and it's changed the, the precedent of our relationship. Yeah. And I expect that that will remain so into the future as we come out of this. And a lot of relationships, the precedent of the relationship will be different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I experienced that with uh, like a lot of the business owners, like my friend from Minneapolis, who mm-hmm. owns a company that is the same size as us. And, you know, we just were talking and just like, hi, hey, how are you doing this? How are you doing that? What do you think about this? How are you handling? You know, it's like, right. And there's a sort of like, it's just, you know, it's like, I don't know, I really, I really, it just made me value his friendship more, you know, and I just, uh, uh, he's kind of like you, he asks really good questions and I, I, I really value people <laughs> that's <laughs> good questions because it makes me like, oh yeah, okay, cool. I didn't really know I was thinking that, you know, so, uh, uh, I don't know, it's, it's, there's definitely that bringing together part. Yeah. Well, even thinking about <clears throat> the conversations I've had with you and Allison, oh yeah, I mean, I'm expressing myself more intimately and lovingly to you two than I mm. maybe can think of. Like, I wouldn't have another opportunity to do that, or another scenario mm-hmm. in which I would do that. Mm-hmm. Like, I wouldn't normally say, "I really miss y'all. I really need y'all in my mm. life physically. Like, mm-hmm. I need to be near you." I I miss hugging you. I wouldn't yeah. normally say that to you, but I'm yeah. saying that to you now and really mm-hmm. feeling it and really meaning it. Yeah. And that like that's cool because it's not like I didn't mm-hmm. feel that before. Totally. I just totally. didn't have the structure in which to express it maybe. Mhm. What or exposes I, that? Too. I didn't need to express it mm-hmm. because I just did it. Yeah. And that's an interesting thing. The, the movement of things from, like, if I see you, we're going to hug. Mm-hmm. If I see Allison, we're going to hug. Mm-hmm. The, and you don't, we don't think about it. Yeah. We just do it. And there's a mm-hmm. huge value in it. But now that we can't, and and that has to move from, bodily expression to verbalization. Mm. Now it is 
brought into sort of a, a more cerebral level and has to be expressed, it takes on a new form. Yeah, that's interesting. And I think the same thing happens... Well, the same thing happens in child development. Mm. You are physical and emotional, and then you become verbal, and then you become mm. communicative, and then verbally expressive. Yeah. And this sort of has forced some of those some of those things that are in, encoded more in bodily interaction to be extracted into vocalization. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely the hugging thing I miss. <laughs> I know. It's, it's kind of crazy how crazy I feel <laughs> not having physical interaction with other people. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I got, a, I got a, a, a story that's a little bit of a, uh, a digression, I think. Okay. I, don't want us to, I don't want us to go off on this, but... Go for it. Uh, so we were watching uh, Spider-Man Far From Home, uh -huh. and uh, uh, this guy was wearing uh, Spider-Man's uh, friend, who's the guy in the chair. Uh, he, uh, anyways, uh, he was wearing this shirt. It said, uh, Danger... Uh, Danger! I'm a hugger, and it's a bear, <laughs> and it's like ah, and so Allison's like, "Oh my gosh, I'm gonna get you that shirt." <laughs> and so she goes to Amazon, or she goes looks it up, and then there's like three on Amazon. So she clicks on Amazon, and it shows it, and all of a sudden it goes, "Oops, something happened to this website." And I was like, "Okay," so she tried it again, and then it didn't take her to that anymore, and then she did it again, and it took her to all these sort of like stay safe. Type type of uh, shirts. Does that make sense to you? No. Well, basically, she was looking to buy this shirt for me. Danger! I'm a hugger. Yeah. And since we're in this time of you can't hug. Oh wow! It, it, it actually took us to shirts that promoted like stay safe. Our safe, current you know, narrative. Our current narrative. Wow! I wonder if that was on purpose, or if there was some crazy algorithm that. I had, had no gotten idea. involved. It was the first time Alice and I were both like, did that just happen? Like, wow. Like, it, it took us there and then the site goes, oops, sorry, something happened. And then we couldn't find it at all on Amazon and had to go to the, go directly to their website. Huh? Yeah. You're not allowed to be a hugger in uh spring 2020. <laughs> it was just like crazy. Anyways, I don't want to digress into that, but that yeah, was like, that's wild. Yeah. Anyway, so I miss hugging, and Allison went ahead and bought me that shirt. So, what else do you miss <laughs> from normal life? Getting a beard. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I'm like, "Oh, let's go." Oh shit! Oh, I, thought <laughs> like said, I just I thought you said beard. Oh, beard. <laughs> a pint. A pint. Yeah. Yes. Meeting at like the pub. I, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Like I can't tell you. Like I, I keep wanting to go grab a beer with you, with a pint with you, and yeah, uh, and it's just not. It's just not available. It isn't. And that's pretty it's not much available, not responsible. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty yeah. much it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's one of my best, my, like the interactions I love the most is either somebody coming over uh -huh. and we have dinner, you know, and, and just sit and talk on the porch or go to a pub. Yeah. I, I would say that's probably my number one too. Something that I'm really missing is <laughs> grocery shopping. 
Oh, interesting. I mean, I'm still clearly grocery shopping, but it's super stressful now. Yeah. Um, I used to really enjoy going to the grocery store and taking my time and looking around and thinking about what I wanted to eat. Uh, yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm missing the freedom to do that. I feel like I've got to have a plan. I've got to have a list. I've got to get in, get out. And uh, that little bit of joy has been taken. Yeah. Well, I think that's, that's not fun too. I don't like the, the hesitancy. Like that's one thing I really, the hesitancy between in interactions, you know, yeah. and part of it, I, I, so I'm not, I, I understand why we're doing that right now, but there's a part of me that kind of like, uh, sort of mourns that aspect where, yeah. you know, most of the time I greet people with a hug most everybody. <laughs> but then there's also this part too, where like, you know, instead of walking in front of me, they'll go around tables or, you know, or something, right. you know, or I went to open a door for somebody and there was this hesitancy you saw. And I was like, Oh shoot, I probably shouldn't have opened the door for that person. Yeah. We're still trying to work out how to be around other people in social distance. We don't understand the cues. And yeah. now that we're, we're wearing masks, it's very strange. I've been missing peep, seeing people's facial expressions. <laughs> like oh, I go yeah. to the grocery store or whatever, um, which is the only time I really see other people and it's, everybody's got masks on. So you look at somebody, like I'll look at somebody and smile, which is what I n- usually do if I catch eyes with somebody else, but they can't mm. see it because my face is covered <laughs> and I don't know how they're responding. So every interaction seems really cold. Uh-huh. Um, You're like, why is that guy looking at me? <laughs> yeah. And I wonder if we'll develop new ways, like if, if wearing masks is something we continue to do for a while, will we develop new ways to, exp- to disarm each other socially mm-hmm. and express safety and kindness? Yeah. Because usually it's a look, it's a smile. It, it has mm-hmm. to do with the mouth and the eyes. Which is so ingrained in us, I mean, from childhood, you know, the baby looking up at their mother and getting that reaction and then like, and then reacting back and forth through facial cues, you know, that's like such a developmental, you know, right. Aspect. It's like, there's, there's that stuff just so ingrained in our biology. Hmm. Yeah. It's not just cultural. I think it's going to be really fascinating to see how we move through this. I, my hope is that we take our increased awareness and apply it wisely Hmm. and use it to fix the parts of our life that were broken, Mm -hmm. fix the parts of our community communities that were broken and fix the parts of our countries that were broken. Yeah. Because we have extra energy. We have extra awareness And that's powerful. Mm -hmm. It's probably not time yet. Yeah. It's probably still time to stew. Mm -hmm. It's probably still time to wait. Yeah. But there will come a time when it will be time to engage. How do you, how do you do a stewing (laughs) or, or in that, in that in between space? Like, what is that like for you? Hmm. It's not, it's not super easy for me. Yeah. 
I, I, I really, really am mourning the loss of my structures and mourning the loss of my ability to execute on things. Um, yeah, it doesn't suit my personality. Yeah, yeah. But I'm doing it. <laughs> yeah. But do you see, like, I mean, can you think of times in the past where, like, how, like, different cues of that trans- transition, you know, like, from, because there's the initial shock of something, mm-hmm. and then there's sort of the acceptance, and then there's just sort of, you know, there might be some, like, fighting internally in it, but it's like at some point there is that sort of acceptance, like Frodo going to Mordor by himself, you mm-hmm. know? Um, I guess it's almost like a resolve almost too, you know, that, that, yeah. that kind of comes into that, but that's, that might be a little bit further on than the stewing part. Cause like when you stew, there's also anguish involved because it's uncertain and you're, you're wanting to make a decision, but you don't know which way to go yet. Right. It's a suspended state mm-hmm. and, and, and you can't make a decision. You can't slay one. You can't mm-hmm. get to resolve because I think resolve is all of the different facets and aspects of you aligning behind the chosen path mm-hmm. behind the, de- the decided thing. But now everything's in suspension. So mm-hmm. we just have to live with contrasting competing ideas. I mean, that is by definition a stressful place to be. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah. Oh, shoot. I had a question for you. I forgot what it was now. Oh, well. That's okay. (laughs) Well, my mind is about empty. Okay. And we're at about an hour, so I think we should, um, unless you remember that question. No, I wish I did. Because when you're, when you were like, like as you were, as you were going through that, I was just like, oh man, (laughs) (laughs) I wonder what that means. Uh, Well, for the next episode, I, I'll, I'll, uh, I, I feel this urge to say what I think I already said. Mm-hmm. Um, be th- I just want to be thinking about how to use. I, I, you're, my mind's empty. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I want to be thinking about the next steps and I want to be investing in the hope mm-hmm. rather than spending my time stewing in the fear. Yeah. Ah, remember a question. Okay. Um, what do you think the, the risks are to making decisions too preemptively, you know, or trying to get out of something before you've stewed in its properness? <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, there's certainly, the, 
the risk of getting it wrong. And then I think I'm thinking, I'm sort of equating that to the process of grief. So if you, if you move through the steps of grief too quickly and you say, well, you know, I'm moving on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. You don't really ever, you, you will have to return yeah. and go through it again later. Mm-hmm. So you don't really get to skip anything. You can skip it, but you got to go back and do it later. So yeah. it's much less turbulent and takes much less time to go through it properly. So I think mm-hmm. there's probably an, a, a, a parallel there that making decisions too quickly and not stewing properly runs the risk of A, getting it wrong, and B, having to go back and redo it. Mm-hmm. But figuring out when the right time to move and to decide when it's clear that we need to stew for a bit, mm-hmm. that takes wisdom. And yeah. we won't know that it was the right time until we look back on it much later. True. And I think yeah. any time's going to feel like the wrong time until we look back and say, you know what, that worked out about as well mm-hmm. as we could imagine. And I think we're probably going to apply that to, I think it's going to end up being true about a lot of things, um, especially about any sort of authoritative call to move out of our houses and back into jobs and back into the economy. Yeah. Nice. Thoughts? Well, I, I, I think that's kind of where, um, cause like, you know, again, there's the opposite side of that too, is not making, is stewing for too long and almost becoming, mm-hmm. you know, navel gazing or, uh, um, paralyzed by, by your situation. You yeah. Know? There's that part too. So, uh, I agree with the wisdom part. Like someone asked me about, I guess, what sources that I look at and research and, and I kind of, I kind of take the gamut as far as like what I look at and hear people talk about all these different, you know, whether it be the COVID stuff or politically or whatever it is. And the ones I find most credible are the ones that say, well, here's what we know and here's what we're unsure of. Yeah. Like that, that right there, you know, they could be wrong in some of that, but at least that gives me like, okay, they're telling me what they understand, what they see. And this is also where that kind of, that's, this is, this is the limits of where, where that goes. And I find that, I find that more credible on the surface than anybody who's going to be definitive. Although there is a time to be definitive. Don't, don't get me wrong. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think that's, that's, there is a time, but I think those are, those are more, those are rare. Those moments are, are rare and should be rare. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a time to take a risk. There's time to make a bet, Mm -hmm. but not if we can't first be honest about what we know and what we don't know. Yeah. That has to be well-defined. Mm-hmm. And I think wisdom would say, if I don't know much, much more than I do know, then it's probably time to stew some more and not mm-hmm. act. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of also the idea behind faith, you know, is, you know, this, you know, based on the information I have, Mm. therefore this, and that, and that this is action, you know, but you're basing it on the amount of information that you have at this point, you know? Right. And I think the reality you have to face is like, does that, does the information I have right now lead to action or does it lead to, um, waiting, waiting. Yeah. Being patient. (laughs) Felt like we said the word stewing too many times. (laughs) Switch to waiting. That's the name of the, of this, of this podcast now, (laughs) of this episode. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Waiting, stewing. (laughs) All right. Well, probably should roll roll this one up. All right, let's roll it up. We love you guys. We hope you're safe. We hope you're sane. We hope you're healthy. Yeah. Call somebody. Zoom somebody. Yeah. Figure somebody. out a way to look someone in the eyes. Uh huh. <laughs> totally. <laughs> like Zoom, FaceTime, whatever. It's it makes a difference. Yeah, it yeah. does. Yeah, and also get some sunshine. Yeah. Apparently, uh, sunshine is antiviral. Mm. So I heard on another podcast. I heard it's magical. It, it is, and it, it, it it's improves your health and your your mood. And um, just go, you know, take your shirt off and lay down in the yard. There you go. Yeah, exactly. Hell, take your clothes off, man. Lay down in your yard. Might as well. Naked. <laughs> Might as well. Use maybe some sunscreen in those uh, nether regions. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Signing Love off. Yes. See you next we'll time. Talk to you guys soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.